We are so glad you've joined us today. If God is doing something in your life through this ministry, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at live at trinitynwa.com to tell us your story. You can also go online to give to this ministry by going to trinitynwa.com and clicking the red Give Online button. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to experience more content, visit our website or subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're talk about the truth. What is the truth? What is the truth? So, um, I heard a story about a young man who was a freshman in high school and he wanted to impress his dad. His dad had been a track star in high school. His dad had been what they called a miler. And this son wanted to be a miler like his dad. And so he told his dad, I'm going out for track. Problem was the boy just didn't have much athletic ability. He he just wasn't, it just wasn't any, but he was trying to impress his dad. And so, uh, Dad knew that there was a specific day that this kid was going to have his first race, basically practice tryouts, and it was his first race. And so whenever the boy came home that day, the dad said, well, how did that race go? And and he said, oh, well, it went pretty good. He said, you know that Bill Williams? Dad said, yeah, he's the, the top miler in your school. He said, yeah, I, he said, I ran in a race against him. Well, what he didn't tell his dad was that in the tryout, it was just him against Bill Williams. It was just a two-man race. And so the dad said, well, how did you do? And he said, well, you know that Bill Williams? Yeah. I said, well, he came in next to last. He said, well, how did you do? He said, I came in second place. And some of y'all are still trying to figure that out. And you'll get that about 15 minutes from now. Big, oh, I get it now. It was true, wasn't it? He was telling the truth. What is truth? And who determines what it is? Everybody has their own idea about truth given any subject. And and the, the, the problem with that is that most of us are wrong. People's perceived truth is their truth doesn't make it truth at all. And most of the time, our truth is skewed. Lots, it can be lots of ways. It, it can be flawed by faulty information. Unmerited opinions. Um, it can even be flawed by personal culture means that depending on who you are or where you're standing, your truth could look different than someone else's. Causing a lot of issues in our country right now. People's truths. We use stereotypical statements all the time and we believe them to be true. So there you hear people say things like, all deacons are... And then you fill in the blank. If we're talking about our church and you're asking me, 
I'm going to say all deacons are awesome. But if you ask somebody in another church, they may say all deacons are demons. And you hear people make statements like all preachers are. All sinners are. It's easier. It's easy to use those blanket stereotypical statements, isn't it? All men are. All women are. All children are. And then depending on where you're standing. Will be your perception of truth on that particular subject. So where can we ever find pure, unadulterated sin or truth? We can find sin, but where do we find truth? We say, well, you find it in the Bible. Yes, and you say, but what about the variances in Scripture? Because I would say to you that the Bible, the Bible never contradicts itself. And those of you that have studied about that much would say, well, wait a minute, though, Pastor. What about variances in Scripture? You know, I was reading something the other day that says that there are variances in Scripture. Well, variances in Scripture can be explained this way for me. If we were to ask these guys over here what I look like right now, and then ask these guys over here, and then ask my wife up there, hopefully you would get three different opinions of how I look right now. What would they say? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. What would she say? Well, I hope it'd be good. Bottom line is, all three of them are looking at the same thing, but they're seeing it from a different angle. And so if they were to take out a piece of paper and write down what they're seeing, they would explain the very same thing, but it would have different adjectives based on where they're looking at it from. You could use a a car accident, same way, people on four corners of of an intersection... And the police drive up and they say, we need four witnesses. And they, and they interview witnesses from four different corners. They're going to hear what? Four different opinions about the very same wreck. So in Scripture, variances are explained this way. They're people that the Holy Spirit is using. They are not perfect people, but He's a perfect God. So He is going to get across a perfect message, but He's going to do that through individuals who are not perfect. And so one of them said, I saw this, and another said, I saw that. And God said, well, the bottom line is, here's the truth of what I wanted you to get from that, regardless of how He saw it or how He saw it. This is... Are you still with me? And it doesn't change, a variance doesn't change a truth in Scripture. It doesn't change a meaning. It doesn't change an outcome. So a lot of times, it's hard to know truth, pure truth, because... Pure truth is always skewed by 
some type of ignorance or bias or prejudice. There's a lot of things that can cause people on different street corners looking at the same thing to say what is truth. Am I right? And you're not amening because you're like, well, I don't care what they saw on my corner. This is the way it was. I don't care what it looks like on the other side of the street. I'm telling you, on my side of the street, this is the way it was, this is the way it is, and that's the only truth I'm seeing. John 8, 31, modern King James. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed on him. Who did Jesus say this to? You're going to find out he was talking to a lot of people, but he specifically made this statement to somebody. He said to the people who believed on him, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I think we have to dig down a little deeper. Because if you take that statement at face value, not understanding it in its context, that statement would appear to be untrue. What? that statement would, be, would appear to be untrue. It says, if you take it out of context, at face value, that statement says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That statement in itself is not necessarily true. Why? Because I've known the truth about a lot of things that didn't set me free. I knew that when I was living in sin, the decisions that I was making we're going to lead to a lot of really bad things. But the truth of knowing that didn't set me free. I went on and did those things anyway. There have been a lot of people that knew the decisions that they were making were going to kill them. But knowing that didn't keep them from going ahead and making those decisions until it killed them. It never made them free. It just made them dumb and dead. The truth did not set them free. The truth made them dumb and dead. You're looking at me weird lately. Like, man, you've really lost your mind this time. I mean, we've tried to follow you for lots of things, but. Winston Churchill said. Men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. So that means that there's a lot of people who know what the Bible says. They go to church every once in a while. They might even give a quarter to the Salvation Army at Christmas. But if they die in their current condition, they're going to go to hell and not to heaven. Why? Because they knew some truth. But that knowledge did not make them free. So does that mean this verse is untrue? Or, or, or are some people just reading it and understanding it incorrectly? Now, in order to understand, to answer that, what you got to do is you got to look at that verse in its context. What are the verses happening before it and what are the verses happening around it? Don't just be one of those people that that close your eyes, throw open your Bible, read a verse out of context and try to make that your truth. 
Because there's a lot of people that that's how they read the word. They try to make something fit their truth. So they search the Bible to find specific verses out of context that can support the fact that they're trying to convey. It's one of the reasons why I'm not being, uh, I'm not saying anything against anybody else. It's one of the reasons why I don't like to preach topically and don't do it very often. I preach expositorily most of the time. The reason why I do that is because I want to, I want to learn, study, and present information from the word and I want you to understand what it meant to the people it was written to and how that applies to us today. I don't want to just come up with really cool thoughts and then spend my week searching the Bible trying to find verses that I can make mean what I was thinking. So here's what you got to understand about the context of these verses that we just read. First of all, here's Jesus, and he's speaking at the Sermon on the Mount. And he has a lot of people around him. There's a lot of people at this Sermon on the Mount. And many of the people who are there are sincere people who are hungry and are searching for truth. But they're not the only ones in the audience. There's some other folks in the audience. They're those religious leaders, those scribes and Pharisees who have come to today's message. They showed up that day to the message in hopes of finding something that they could use to trick Jesus up because they don't like Jesus. And Jesus knows that he has a, 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 a congregation there listening to him that represent a, a wide array of people. Right in the middle of his message, some of these scribes and Pharisees show up with a woman that they had caught in the act of adultery. That's kind of weird. Who'd they have stationed looking through holes in the wall for how long to catch this woman? Maybe they're about to stone the wrong person. Maybe they should have been rocking the guys that are standing around looking through the window. I don't... Thought about? Have you ever thought about it that way? How did you catch her in the act of adultery? How did you know that she might be somebody that would be prone to that kind of activity? Have you been over there too? You mad because she was with somebody else today instead of you? They've caught her in the act. And they know the truth. The scribes and Pharisees know the truth. And the truth says, if you catch someone in this act or in lots of others, but this one today is what we're dealing with. Specifically, if you catch someone in this act, then what you're supposed to do is bring a couple of witnesses. If you've got a couple of witnesses, it's still weird, isn't it? If you've if you got a couple of witnesses that saw this happening, then you can bring her to a place and everybody can condemn her and we can throw rocks at her until she's dead. And stoning people back then didn't mean that they put them up against a wall and they, and they uh, played dodgeball until somebody finally hit her. It was the person would be brought into the center, 
most of the time, sometimes put down on their knees and people would pick up the biggest rock that they could pick up. And they would all come at that person with that rock and crush that person until they killed them. They bring this woman caught in the act to Jesus who is in the midst of a discourse of teaching people. And they say, we caught her. You're religious, you're religious leaders, so you say, what do we do? Truth says, we got to condemn her. We got to kill her. And Jesus says, woman, where's your accusers? I mean, he stooped down, he rode in the dirt. I don't know if he was writing each one of them's names and the last time they'd been to her house or what. Because he knew without standing outside. So he said, Jim, Tuesday, Bill, Friday. He's looking up and Bill and Jim are rolling on out. And when Jesus gets finished writing on the ground, he looks around, he says, where's your accusers? She said, they all left. And Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. Go ahead and live the way you were living. No, that's not what he said, is it? I forgive you. It's okay for you to live that way. Everything's okay with me, hon. Be the way you want to be. I don't want to be politically incorrect about this. So you can do what you... No, that's not what he said, was it? He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Here's your second chance. You might not get a third one. The next time they bring you to somebody, it might not be somebody like me. The scribes and Pharisees who were left at this point, whose names, I guess, didn't get written or called or whatever, for some reason, these fellows were still there. And Jesus says to them, because they accuse him at this point of being a fraud and a liar. And Jesus states, you won't believe who I am until you see me crucified. And then you will see me and my father together. And then he turns his attention from them to the other group that we were talking about a second ago. The sincere the believers. And he says to them, but if you, I put but in there, he just said, if you. If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you. Who's he talking to? You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. These jokers over here aren't going to know the truth if they tripped over it. They're not going to accept the truth if it's rubbed in their face. Because it's being right now and all they do is go home, get mad, come up with other schemes, firing up other truths. So these guys aren't going to get it. But he says to those of you who are sincere, those of you who have come here for the right reason, you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And later, 
John would write in 1 John 2.21, I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. And the reason that it all makes sense is because Jesus had already told us in John 14, 6, Jesus said to a person there, to this man, he said, I am the way, what? I am the way, the, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. So here is my, just, you know, how my poor little brain, I'm just struggling to keep up with y'all every week. So my poor little brain trying to struggle to keep up has came up with the truth in all of this. And my truth is this. And I know my truth is right. My truth is this. In order to know the truth, you have to know the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth... Jesus said, I'm the way, the tr- I am the truth. When you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. Knowledge won't ever set you free. Education will never, experience will never set you free. It will only, in some cases, add to the confusion you already had. Nothing against those things. I'm forgetting as much of it as I can. I'm studying all the time. Reading, studying, all the time, applying. But I'm just telling you. If you're not real careful with where you take in your information, you can become more confused than you were before. And sometimes, in some cases, ignorance is truly bliss. When you get to know Jesus, you start understanding truth better. But here's the good news in this message. For those of you with an IQ of 160 and those of you with an IQ of 80. Here's the truth. You don't have to understand all truth in order to be free. That's the good news. That's the good news of hope. You don't have to understand the truth to be free. You don't have to know. You don't have to be able to explain it all. In fact, you'd be better off. You'd be better off with what the scripture calls childlike faith. Because that pleases the Lord. To accept at face value what Jesus, who is the word, the truth, and the light himself says. If you would just accept that at face value. Your life would be a lot better than if you spend it in pursuit of things that lead you further from that truth. Hmm. So I want to encourage you with a couple of facts drawn from looking at our text. Here's what you need to get. This is all we got to get today. If we get this, it don't matter how smart or how dumb we are. If we get this, we'll be okay. The first truth that you need to glean from that passage of Scripture we read as our text is this. To be free, number one, you must believe on the truth. You want to be free? Believe on the truth. Don't be a person who says, well, once I'm convinced that it's true. Some people are so smart that, they'll, that their intelligence and their thirst for truth will cost them their soul. 
that you're talking to is like you think we should all be, be idiots. I'm not saying that to you at all. Jesus himself said count the cost, but I'm telling you, at some point you're going to have to come to Jesus in childlike faith. You're going to have to accept this word. And Jesus says that it's his word and he says it, then you're going to have to accept that and quit trying to make it mean something else so that it makes sense to you and to your perceived idea of truth. The Bible said in that text, the first thing you're going to have to do is believe on the truth. So when you have the faith to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by him, if you just believe that, I mean when you believe that, then along with that belief comes the ability and faith to pray a simple prayer. God, I'm a sinner, but you can save me, and I receive that salvation. That's what believing on the truth is. Secondly, it said that you must continue in the truth. We said in our notes, continue in his word because the word is Jesus. And that's what it said in the text. He said, if you will believe on me and continue in my word, he was saying, continue in me. You know what happens to believers that that we see that we're confused by? We're confused by some people that call themselves Christians because there's no fruit. You know why we're confused by those people? Because they haven't continued in the word. Maybe they made an emotional decision at some point in their life and because somebody told them it's all you got to do is they just kept living like they were living. I'm going to tell you what, let me tell you how you get close to truth. You only get close to truth by continuing in the truth. Jesus said, you believe on me and then continue in my word. My word is me, himself. Continue in me. How do I continue in him? I'm going to tell you right now, to every person who abides in Christ and continues in Christ, they're going to get better and better, not worse and worse. Because if you are continuing in him, that means you're in his word. Continue in my word, he said. Continue in the truth. Believe on him and continue in him. Continuing being prayer, meditation in the word, reading, studying the word, fellowship with other believers, conversations about the word, things that that cause you to be better. And it is in those types of continuing that the scripture says you will work out your salvation with much, what? Fear and trembling. Fear and trembling is continuing. Continuing in the word is what puts you in a state of constant conviction when needed. I have believed Now I am going to continue in the word. As I continue in the word, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal things to me, convict me, and make me better and better. And I'm going to get closer and closer to the truth. So when you see people that are not close to the truth, they have not continued in the word. They may have just made a decision at a a revival somewhere, prayed a prayer at a conference or something along with a bunch of other people, walked away, said, I'm saved, and, and they've done nothing with that since they did not continue in that decision. So there's nothing there. There's no depth. There's no truth. They're like the one that the seed was sown. The seed is sown and the birds came and snatched it up. Because they didn't let it take root. They didn't do anything to cultivate the seed and let it take root. Continuing is taking root. You want to know the truth? The truth truth shall set you free. You get up here and say that fast. Believe on the truth, continue in the truth. And he said, and then you shall 
Know the truth. Believe on the truth. Continue in the truth. You will know the truth. What is the truth? The truth is Jesus. So I am getting to know Jesus. I've never known anyone who was passionate about getting to know Jesus that was living a lifestyle of sin. Anybody I've ever met that was passionately in love with Jesus and just wanted to get to know him more and more. The people that are like that are the ones that are they're in his word, they're praying, they're talking to the people, they're, they're sharing their testimony. They're just, they just love the Lord. I mean, you can see it in their face. I've never met anybody like that that wasn't bearing fruit. People like that bear fruit. Everywhere they go, they're producing fruit. And people, when they walk away, people don't have to say, now, is he a believer? Is she a Christian? I, I can't tell. Is, isn't she a Christian? They don't say that about these kind of people. The ones that are getting to know Jesus, when they walk away, other people say, wow, every time I'm around her, it just inspires me. Wow. Man, she's got such a strong faith. I love being around her. She's so positive and uplifting. And, and it's just she's always doing awesome and cool things for people. Why is she doing that? Because the spirit of truth is residing in her spirit. And she's producing fruit. Hmm. So the Bible says, if you believe the truth, continue the truth, get to know the truth, you are free. You don't have to know everything or understand everything to be free. You just have to know the truth. And once you know the truth, he will scoop you up and bring you along to greater maturity and understanding. You can be ignorant. In fact, you could be as dumb as a stick. But if you know the truth, you're already free. You don't have to know nothing but the truth. And the truth will set you free. The gospel is, a, is, is an equalizer. It's not bound to any academics or the intelligence of humans. The gospel transcends all that. God created us all, regardless of our IQ, regardless of our ability to understand, God created us all. And his idea was that we should all come to know the truth and that that would be enough to make us free. I love that. So I don't want to see a show of hands, but some of us prefer CNN. Some of us prefer Fox. I personally prefer Fox because I like the way they skew the truth better than MSNBC. Their skewing of the truth fits me better than CNN's. say no 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 pastor i mean if we watch craig cannon we know it's the gospel i met craig cannon a long time ago he's a good guy but i wouldn't bank my eternal soul on the truth that he and the rest of his folks spout out every night on the news You're never going to know the truth in any given situation, not all the truth. There's a lot of people that are marching right now. There's a lot of people protesting. There's a lot of people fighting over issues that they themselves do not even know the truth about. 
A bunch of poor kids this last week had to skip school to go, to go stand in a protest that when they were interviewed didn't even know why they were there. But it was the right thing to do. Why? Because everybody, all their friends were doing it and they could get out of school. I mean, if I could get out of school, if I could get out of school when I was in high school, I will march with the team that says that we are all antelopes. I'll be like, I'll be an antelope. If I, I mean, because I, because I, 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 don't listen to this. I was probably going to skip school anyway, but this way I'm not going to get whipped when I get back. I'll be an antelope. People are fighting and yelling and screaming over truths that they don't have the information about. And they're willing to get hit in the mouth over something that they don't even know what about. You're never going to know the truth. Those people are as flawed as we are. But if you know Jesus, you know the truth. And that's all you ever have to know for sure. I promise you, you can't really know anything else for sure. But let me tell you something that's really cool. Scripture tells us that when we get home with the truth, someday we will have the capacity to know and understand all things. Don't let anything here hinder you from getting there. Just in faith, accept and believe. And when you get home, you'll know the truth. You'll never know it before. Not really. So the answer is, do you know him? Answer is, do you know him well? The truth. That's what I'm talking about, the truth. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'd like to ask a question. In order for a person to be free, they must believe on the truth. It's first step. None of the rest steps apply until step one has been completed. In order to know the truth and be set free, you must believe on the truth. Believing on the truth is, I believe Jesus is who he said he was. I repent to him and accept from him my salvation. I repent of all my sins and I accept him as my Lord, my God, my Savior. And I'm going to commit myself to following him all the days of my life. That's what believing on. A lot of people prayed prayers over the years and you never saw fruit because all they did was pray a prayer and they didn't count a cost. Somebody said, pray a prayer. If you pray this prayer, you'll go to heaven. I don't believe that. I think there's a lot of folks that think they're saved that they're not. They just prayed a prayer and it meant nothing. But to every person who calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Every person who believes upon the Lord Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life shall be free. Free from what? Everything. 
free to live and love and laugh and free to spend eternity in heaven. Free, just free. Before we go any further, I would like to ask a question. Is there anybody in this room who would say, Pastor, I'm not, this is not an emotional response for me because I'll talk you out of emotional responses. I have counted the cost and I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm ready today to repent of my sins and accept Him as my Lord and Savior. If I see anybody's hand in this place, I'm going to stop right now. Is there anybody in this room who would say, pray for me? I need to pray that prayer. I need to make that commitment. I'm in this room, outside this room. You're with us right now, uh, wherever you may be, in this country or outside of this country. You, Wherever you are right now, it's as simple as praying that prayer and asking Jesus to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sins. It's, as, it's that easy. Do it. Please do it.